series called Encounters. And what we're talking about is the fact that people go in their life um, just kind of day to day, year to year, um, circumstances happen, and we just live our lives with these circumstances. Somebody passes away, and you deal with it. Somebody, uh, last week we looked at a wedding where they had run out of wine, and those things happen. And and so we have ways to get through those things typically. Uh, but sometimes uh, we need an extra push. And that's why we call this encounters. Stories of Jesus that changed everything. Like everything was going along and then Jesus showed up. And this morning what we're going to be looking at is a section of scripture that's uh, again famous. I'm just going to warn you. I am a Bible geek Okay, so I get really into like what was happening historically there, the words that the author chose to um, use through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, I believe that the Word of God is the, the authority to my life. So when I read it, I read it very slow. I slow down. So we're going to geek out a bit this morning. But I promise you, it'll be uh, applicable and you'll, it'll all make sense uh, in a little bit. Uh, so here's what's going on. Jesus, we, we read the idea uh, last week. We, we talked about the idea of uh, they have this wedding. We, we talked about the water being turned into wine last week. And so there was this wedding and they had everything planned. And if you understood the context, the historical context, they would have been planning this wedding for months and months and months and months. Um, there was no Amazon Prime. You, if you wanted something, you had to order months in advance. You didn't just go, oh no, you know, where did we get stir sticks? It's like, oh, they're on your doorstep by the end of the evening, right? There was none of that. You planned. You had a system for everything. And people got involved and they were very, I mean, nowadays people, you know, uh, I, I love this next generation coming up. They seem to just have a freedom in how they plan things, and it's awesome. But when we, Lisa and I got married, I, I thought the wedding was the marriage. It was just so intense, right? So it was just so crazy. But nowadays, it's, it's more calm. It, it's a reflection of the couple. I'm doing a, a wedding in uh, just a few weeks. I'm super excited about it. It's a reflection of the couple. Great couple. I'm very happy. But they ran out of wine. So what we talked about last week was what happens when our systems fail us? What happens when we have a system for everything? Everyone knew you were supposed to have wine at the wedding. Everyone knew how many people were going to come to the wedding. But for some reason, they put down liters instead of gallons. I don't know how it happened, but they ran out of wine. And then Jesus shows up. And not only does he solve the problem, but he kicks off his ministry. So then he goes on and performs another miracle, which we may or may not talk about uh, next week. I'm still researching that and how that applies to us. And then he gets to where we are now. This is Jesus. Sometime later, so this is after he heals this official son, okay? Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals if you're reading this for the first time or you were reading it when John wrote it, you'd be like, oh, I know, I know about what time of year this was. You'd, you'd be very familiar with that. For us, we don't necessarily celebrate festivals, but we have our own thing. Like I celebrate the, the festival of the Super Bowl. Uh, I do that at home. I, I've already planned what we're going to eat 
next Super Bowl, right? I already know that. I know, I know the uh, brisket I'm going to get. And so we, we, we do this. For them, they had these festivals, and they were so rich in history, and they were so focused on what God would have for their lives. And it's a part celebration, part lament of, depending on the, on the, on the festival, this probably wasn't one of the big festivals, like the Feast of Tabernacles or anything like that, or the Passover. It was probably just one of the smaller festivals. What you'll see John really concerned about is that it happens on a Sabbath. Okay, we'll see that in a little bit. Spoiler alert, probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway, it went up to one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic, uh, which in Aramaic is called uh, Bethesda. Now, again, this is really cool. Again, I'm sorry, super geeky, but uh, John is writing to a group of people, his church, that didn't understand kind of the Jesus's language, which was Aramaic, and he's always explaining Jewish things so, to, to his audience, to the, where he wrote the letter. And so he's explaining this, that it's a sheep gate, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, uh, so for a long time, uh, people questioned this, actually, uh, the historicity of this. Uh, they were, uh, no one could find a pool. Like, what are you talking about? Well, they recently, like when I say recently, I'm talking about in my lifetime, uh, which isn't that recent, but uh, they found the pools. Archaeologists found the pool, and they saw how it was, it was one pool, and then it, it got expanded. Because this was the place you would go if you were lame, blind, or paralyzed. You would just go to this place. And we'll see a little bit more. We'll geek out a little bit more later. But they found this. And it had the five uh, patios and the five, co the five covered patios in here. And so it's really cool. And so that's what would happen. It was surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here... A great number of disabled people used to lie. They'd kind of go, and that's where they'd be. We don't use the word lame anymore, but it's in the Bible, so we're just going to use it. So the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. I want you to see, in fact, that John is using this word paralyzed because it's really important uh, later on in the story. And so this is what's happened. So if you want to know, like in our context... Uh, everyone experiencing the same type of social dilemma that they have were located in the same place. You might see it in an encampment somewhere. You might see it where people all together are gathering with the same type of issues that uh, um, keep them away from society, that keep them other. There's a great number here. As a matter of fact, as the archaeologists discovered this pool, they noticed that it was one pool serviced by aqueducts in a spring, and they expanded it because this issue was getting to be out of control. And here they all are in this one place, and people wouldn't go to that place. They were unclean. They were being judged by God. All the things, all the things we have in our own society where we look at other and we try to come up with a reason why they're in the state that they're in. Okay? Same, same type of thing. One who was there had been an invalid. Again, another word we don't use uh, really anymore, but been an invalid for 38 years. 
38 years. Now, the reason I brought up the paralyzed part is because there is a section of scholars that believe he was paralyzed. Except John knew the word for paralyzed. <laughs> he had just used it in a couple of verses before. He specifically does not use this word paralyzed. What he uses is a word that essentially means weak. It's used all throughout Corinthians. Paul is talking to the church, and he's like, look, I'm weak. I'm this. You know, it's not. He, Paul doesn't tell the church, I'm paralyzed. He says, I'm weak. I, I, you know, if you think someone's supposed to be strong, or you think he, it's in this term of just uh, needy, you know. In Paul's context, it's like, I need Jesus. I need a work of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of his resurrection. So it's the same word. So there was one who was weak. We don't know why. Now, if you've been paying attention to me and you read the verses, we are in verse 5. The verse I just read prior to that would be normally verse... See, you guys, I'm telling you. Thank you for giving me a smart church. Okay. Four. I didn't read four. I skipped right over four. You're like, oh, no, he's become one of those types of people who just reads whatever he wants to read and makes it look like whatever he wants to look like. Okay, let's just geek out for just one little bit. We'll get back to the story. When the Bible was written, John wrote this with the words that God had him write uh, through an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But they didn't have kinkos back then. Actually, I don't know if we even have kinkos now. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for all of those who have stocking kinkos and Blockbuster. They gone. Okay. Anyway, so they didn't have that. So you'd have to give it to scribes to copy down. And it was a really important job. You had to copy down exactly what it was. And so they'd go over and over and over again. And so for many, for some of you who are like new to the Bible, or you're like, yeah, I heard there's lots of different versions totally get it. I totally understand. And that sometimes, the, you know, a scribe would get something wrong. Well, in this case, if you have the New American Standard Bible, um, you have verse 4 with little brackets on there. And if you have a study Bible, you would go, brackets, what are, what are those in there for? And you'd scroll down, you'd look down, I mean, scroll down, or you'd turn the page, whatever, however you read your Bible. And it would say, early manuscripts do not include verse 4. Okay, so here's my question for you this morning. Where's verse 4? No, that is not the point I'm trying to make. But I wanted to read verse 4 just so that if anyone asks you this question, you have an answer for it. So it would say that there was the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And here's verse 4. Waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with uh, which he was afflicted. Okay, so that's verse 4. That is in the New American Standard. But even the New American Standard admits, mm, it came later. All right? So I ditched verse 4. Because verse 4 for me, this morning, has nothing to do with my point. Okay? So if you want to believe verse 4 and there was an angel, fine, that's fine. I, I, I have no problem with that. I I believe it was added by scribes later, but that's just for me. The point is, Jesus doesn't reference any of this when he goes. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be in there. It doesn't mean it should be in there. Now watch. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a question. And the question is a question I have never asked anybody who was ill or weak or lying down or needy because everyone knows the answer to the question Jesus is about to ask. I ask questions like this. Hey, how long have you had this situation? Right? Tell me your story, I'll say a lot of times. In our context at Living Spring, we deal with many, many people experiencing homelessness. We deal with many, many people with different ailments and different uh, psychological uh, things they're trying to work through in different pl places in life. I never ask them the question Jesus is going to ask them. I always ask them, you know, how have you gotten here? Uh, do, do, uh, have you sought help? Have you tried to, uh, you know, part of me, because of our American society, um, I want to get it fixed. I want to get it fixed. Like, okay, to, here's the five numbers of people you can call that, you know. Uh, same thing happened when our son had epilepsy. I would get articles and all <laughs> All the, these things, uh, like a dog that will bark before a seizure, which is exactly what we needed at 2 o'clock in the morning, was a dog to bark and then for our son to have a seizure. Awesome. Anyway, uh, for those of you who sent me that article, God bless you. But the, my point is we want to fix it. We want it fixed. We don't like it. We don't like to hear about people suffering, and rightly so. Here's the question Jesus asked, and this is a question for every single one of us in here, including myself. Here's the question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now, for many of us going through things, family of origin issues that are so deep, and wounds that are so deep. I just want to say up front, and I'll only say it once, which means I'll probably say it three more times. I, I am not minimizing anybody's pain this morning. I am not minimizing anything you're going through. I am not minimizing your, your family history. I am not minimizing anything like that. But all of us, again, myself included, have an area in my life where Jesus starts out with this question. Do you want to get well? Now in this question, you can kind of get the sense from Jesus that there's something deeper going on. Because the answer to that question is, duh. <laughs> right? That's the answer. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why we get sick. As a matter of fact, I threw a verse in here from 1 Corinthians that had the, that word, that Greek word for weak in there. And uh, it talks about you're sick because of your sin. There's that. There's that. I've, I have, I've had sick relationships because of my sin. I've had things going. Maybe uh, you, you, because of your sin, there's problems with your liver, okay? Maybe there's issues. that This does happen. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians is talking about taking communion. And it says that's why many of you are weak and sick. Because you haven't addressed the issues that are going on in your life. And some of you have fallen asleep. In other words, that's Paul's ways of saying some of you have died because you haven't been able to control your sin nature, control your flesh. That, that happens. 
But Jesus still asks the same question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? This man, like a lot of us, when we're ill, we surround ourselves with others that are ill. With others that won't say, hey, what, what are you doing? How'd you get here? What, what's your next step? What, wh why are you just lying there? Right? And so he asked the question, you want to get well? As a matter of fact, all of John, if we want to talk about sin and systems and all these things, because, you know, kind of in our culture, we have this idea that if we're tolerant of a certain behavior, a certain lifestyle or whatever, that'll make it better because then the person won't live under shame and it'll all be okay. Jesus doesn't operate in that whole thing. This guy was surrounded with people who would commiserate with him. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you are seeped in unforgiveness. And you've just surrounded yourself with people that say, oh, man, if that ever happened to me, I don't know what I'd do. Again, like I said, I was only going to say this once, so this is the second time. I'm not trying to minimize what you went through, okay? Do you want to get well? Here's what Jesus said, uh, what John says in a couple chapters earlier. Again, here's the geeky time. John, when John writes this book, uh, a lot, it has a lot of legal language. There's a healing, then Jesus kind of goes on trial, he defends himself, he, he, then he gets out, you, you know, he's he's proven innocent. That's kind of a pattern through John. And in John chapter 3, John actually says this: this is the verdict. This is the reason why some of us are stuck. This is the reason why some of us can't get past this ailment, whatever it is, bitterness, unforgiveness, a sexual addiction, another addiction, something like that. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. But people love darkness instead. You ever done that? I've done that. I've totally done that. I've binge watched shows and it was like Lisa would come in who's kind of like the Holy Spirit and uh, would say like hey like really is that what you're watching and I'm just like don't don't we have another TV in the house or something like can you get on YouTube or like can you just leave me alone right right because I I love the darkness okay uh, I won't tell you uh, what show um it, 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 it was, because I don't even know if you've heard of Tiger King. Anyway, uh, so this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Because they surrounded themselves with people who would um, not call them out, not bring light in, not do anything. Say, woe is me. Do you really want your marriage healed? Do you really want to be made well? Do you want to get well? It's a really great question. The obvious answer is yes. Or is it? All this guy had to say was yes. That's all he had to say. If I said to you, do you want to get well? Yes. Uh-uh. He'd been in this situation for 38 years. He, his yes was why. 
This is why I'm, I can't forgive. This is why I'm bitter. This is why I need to escape through whatever substance it is. This is why my dad, my mom, my... Do you want to get well? Here's what he says. Basically like what we all say, which is basically, you don't understand, is his answer. Here it is. Sir, bro, okay, bro. That's what he said. Do you want to get well? Bro. This is awesome. When you hear my story, you'll realize why you should never have asked that question. You ready? Here we go. I've been rehearsing it for 38 years. Here we go. Listen. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. So, you know. Is that the answer to the question? I'm sorry, I asked a question. The question was, do you want to get well? Your answer was, ah, I got no, I got nobody. Okay? So I split this up because he has another excuse, but I want to go back to the question. Do you want to get well? Was the question that Jesus answered, asked. And he says, I, 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 got, no, I got nobody. Then he says this, while I'm trying to get in, in other words, Jesus, you don't understand. I'm tr- I'm, I'm, I try. I'm doing my best. If you understood the whole scenario, see all these people here? Look at, look at all of them. I, I'm way out. In the, I can never get down. And, you know, and then this, and then my dad, and my mom, and then my ex-wife, and my other ex-wife. I mean, oh, my goodness. You put both of them in a room together. You know, right? All these things. Do you want to get well? Is the question. Now, here's what Jesus says. Get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. This is the third time I'm only going to say this once. I am not minimizing really serious things that have happened to you. My question is, okay, they happened. There's nothing you can do about that now. Do you want to get well? Here's another way to ask the question. Are you willing to go through the discomfort and the uncertainty of what your life would look like without that in it? I've spoken to people. I spoke to one person who who was dealing with alcoholism. Um, but they were fine. They never missed a day of work. They never, they were doing great. (laughs) I mean, as great as you can. I mean, they weren't like in a bush, okay? So they were like, they could get to work and all all these different things. And I asked them this, do you want to stop drinking? And they said, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You answered the question. No. They, they didn't. They liked the effect of the alcohol. They, like, do you, do you want to forgive them? No, I do not want to forgive them. Okay, now you're there somewhere. But at some point, when the answer becomes yes, when you've carried it too long, when you've been around people who've given you great, you know, oh, man, you poor thing. No, you're the one that, you know, th- she's the one at fault. He's the one at fault. All this, you're just around lame people. Do you want to get well? Do you want to stop the addiction? Do you want to stop treating other human beings and objectifying them, either sexually or 
making their identity have something to do with their country of origin or the color of their skin or how much money they make and all these different things. You ready to move past that? Then get up. Begin to say, I'm ready to begin to live a life of freedom. Jesus is the one that empowers you to do so. You say, John, I've tried. I've tried. I I understand. I get that. But sometimes what it takes is something radical of making a phone call, of telling your friends, you know what? I don't want you to talk about him anymore. Yes, that happened. It's in my past. But now I'm moving forward. And I'm going to move forward in a community of people who are just as broken as I am. I'm going to move forward with an authority that does not come from the shifting shadows of culture. It comes from the word of God. And I'm ready to make those changes. Now, here's one of the problems. If your identity is sickness, like this individual was, this is how he made his money. For some of us, it might be, I'm losing my children because I'm working, 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 working to try and get some nebulous retirement or nebulous thing. And it's like, no, you have to stop cheating on your taxes or stop this work that you're doing that you know is immoral or whatever it is. At some point, you got to get up and go, I'm ready for the change. At once, the man was cured. Again, uh, just to go back to the idea that he wasn't paralyzed, he, the reaction is odd. He's cured and he picked up his mat and walked. So there, there he goes. There's no, as you read in oh, wait, all the other ones, people marveled. Everybody jumped up and down. He jumped up and down. There's a section in scripture where the guy is like, what? He just is like, all right, gets up, gone, right? Now, The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. I I love this because he, he knew he wasn't supposed to be carrying his mat. But he does it anyway. It's there's an entire shift in this guy's life. He is no longer identified by his sickness. He is no longer identified by what has happened to him. He's moving forward in this. He he says it's the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders, of course, because Society of that time uh, judges him, not like, hey, congratulations. It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat, which the law did not, if you're talking about the law as far as Leviticus and Deuteronomy and those law, the actual laws that God gave them. They took them because they weren't hard enough for some reason, and they made them harder. <laughs> if you ever read Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I'm good with just half of that. I, I don't need more. But if my power is in telling you what to do, I want as many rules as possible because then I can just sit back and go, you're carrying your mat. You're not supposed to do that. These laws were so lame that at one point, uh, you could only leave your house on the Sabbath 100 feet. And so they had a way around it where you could tie a rope around your waist and you could go like 300 feet because you're still attached to your house. (laughs) Okay. So it's just Sabbath. So it gives you an idea of what's happening to this guy. He's like, oh, no, the Pharisees are after me. But he replied, hey, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Now, this guy is on very dangerous ground right now. Being healed has consequences. He can't leverage that anymore. 
Being healed has consequences for you. Part of those consequences might be now you are now responsible for where you are in your relationship to Jesus. Now nobody's responsible but you. And so he says, he said, pick up your uh, mat and walk. They asked him, who is this fellow? I, I don't know why they translated it fellow. No one uses that, but whatever. Who told you to pick it up and walk? Now watch this. This is why I kind of question. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. You've been paralyzed for 38 years. You don't know who. <laughs> Come on now, bro. Like, th there's no way, right? So this is why I, I, I read it this way. He had no idea who it was. Now, this is so cool. I love Ninja Jesus. He does it a few times in the things. For he slipped away into the crowd that was there. Like, I, he, he does this a few other times in Scripture. Read your Bibles, you guys. You're going to fall in love with Jesus. Uh, so, uh, so watch what happens. Later, this is really important. Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you did it. You're well again. Remember the question I asked? Do you want to get well? Look at you now. Now, stop sinning. In other words, now you've had an encounter with Jesus. Now you've been restored. This is what happens when we come and we pray to God and we, we are saved. If you've, back in the old days, you'd see a, a bumper sticker that said born again, right? Usually you were being cut off or they were driving the speed limit annoying you. I get it. I was like, I'm like, born again? <laughs> get out of here. No. But that's, that's, that's that prayer of salvation. That's the prayer that enters you into the kingdom of God where we spend eternity with Jesus, right? This, this time. But then Jesus says, now that you've been restored, now live into that restoration. Because you've been forgiven, now forgive. Because you've been restored, now be a, a, a vehicle of restoration. Now that you've been forgiven. He says, so that nothing worse may happen to you. You say, what is that? Is it hell? It could be hell. Could be talking about hell at this point. Most of the people I meet in life, their hell is either they've adopted some part of culture that they had no business adopting, or their flesh, or whatever. They're just still by the pool. It would be almost like, I mean, I praise God this guy's in the temple right now. But could you imagine? Could you imagine this guy gets up, he takes up his mat, he walks, and the next day he goes, ah, I'm going to go back to my buddies. Do you want to get well is the question. Something worse may happen to you. So then this guy throws Jesus under the bus. He goes, he went away and told the Jewish leaders, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, leave me alone now, uh, who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him or prosecute him. In his defense, again, lots of legal language in the book of John, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Ding, 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 ding. 
Correct. Correct. John, throughout his gospel, makes this point that Jesus is God. He does it in 1 John as well. As the worship band returns, he, he goes on after this. You should read it, uh, starting in John uh, 5 verse 19 he goes into this discourse of why he does what he does it's very beautiful it's very beautiful but i want to go back to the question do you want to get well do you want to get well for you it might be something someone you could never forgive i uh helped in college i was i hadn't needed money and so i was helping someone move and i had they had this big the big, like, um, picture frame. I'm like, where do, you, where do you want this? And they're like, oh, we have a place for this. It's in their living room. And I, oh, okay. And, like, and so they already had it all set up. All I had to do was hang it, right? And it was all these names of people. Probably 50 names, right? All these names. And I said, oh, what's this? This is in the middle of their living room. I'm like, what is this? Uh, those are all the people who've wronged us. So you invited them all over? Like, like even in college, I'm like, nah. And then they said, uh, no, we went to a counselor, and they said to anytime someone wrongs us to write them on this thing. And I'm like, did, did you pay the counselor? <laughs> like, I could have asked them, do you want to get well? Then get rid of that thing. Get up. Take it off the wall. Throw it in the trash. I mean, if your counselor said burn it in the backyard, I'd understand. Do you want to get well? They didn't want to get well. They wanted to rehash it. They wanted to rehash it. You struggling with anxiety? Do you want to get well? Then get up. Turn off the television. Close the newspaper. Do whatever you need to do. Do you want to get well? Maybe for you it's an addiction. And you've been skirting around the whole thing. Ah, it's not so bad. I know people who are way worse. That's ah, only once a week. It's only on the weekends. It's only this. It's only that. It's only this. Are you ready to stop saying what you're not doing and get up and verbalize what you're doing? I have this many drinks on Saturday. Ooh, when you say it out loud. I watch these websites. I go to these websites. Ooh, might be time to get up. Call your internet service provider and go, I need, I need a couple months to get this thing wrapped up. What we do during this time is uh, Joe's going to play another worship song and we just allow this time for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we allow this time for you to to just, maybe you've been thinking like, oh, praise God, I'm not, I'm past that. Maybe, maybe this time of silence is a time of celebration for you, Jesus. Oh, for years, I was so trapped in my anxiety and my fear. And then one day you came and you asked me, do you want to get well? And I said yes, and I got up, and I've had this distance away from being by those pools, and I feel so free. Celebrate it during this time. Maybe for you, you're like, whew, glad that didn't apply to me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, really? What about this? And you're like, like, like me and my wife. Do you really need to be watching Tiger King? Shh. 
quiet. He's going to get arrested. Get out of here. <laughs> right? It's your time with him. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for these encounters. For this guy, it was a day like any other day until you showed up. You found out his whole story and you asked him the question you will ask all of us. Do you want to get well? Lord, may we say yes. Period. Stop. Done. Yes. We want to get well. By your power, your name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing. You know, this time of reflection that we do at the end of the service is designed to be your posture going into the week. So maybe you didn't hear anything from the Lord. Maybe you're just like, sweet, I'm not by the pool, I'm not. And then you get to work tomorrow. <laughs> and you go, oh yeah, forgot, I'm broken in that area. Same question Jesus has when you sit in your cubicle or you get in your forklift or wherever you work. You want to be made well. You want to get well. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his strength, in his joy, and in his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.